Hello and welcome to Court Games, a Legend of the Five Rings podcast funded by the Legend of the Five Rings Discord community. This podcast will focus on the role-playing game stories and lore for Legend of the Five Rings. I'm Kova. And I am Kikita Kaori, and we have stories this week. We have lots of stories. Yeah, none of, none of this, you know, you know, two fictions in between podcasts. Oh no, we have three. <laughs> As we come up to worlds, we might be getting a slew of them to help everybody make their world's decisions mm. in the LCG. So that might be why we're getting so many so fast. Yeah, we may possibly be like, yeah, I, I, I could actually, now, now that I think about it, it, it could well be like, would there need to be decisions? And so they kind of, looks like they might be putting clans at decision points where you kind of, do you want to choose this or this? And it's like, oh, we have to make a choice. Um, so yeah, you have to actually put the clans in some way interesting to kind of give them that choice. So that's a, that's a, a thought I hadn't had. So shall we begin? Uh, Behind the Empty Throne by Mary Murdoch. This is the long-awaited, um, finally, The Edict. Shouju <laughs> uh, makes agreement with uh, Agasha Sumiko, who's the, the Ruby Champion and Acting Emerald Champion, and has been for a couple of hours now. Um he believes that Kachika is a traitor and does intend to sacrifice her. And, and like, he's just essentially, he's had enough. But he is sending her off to Toshi Rambo with Bayushi Yojiro to, to manage. And uh, I'm sure that'll go fine and won't go wrong in any way whatsoever. I'm sure Yojiro can totally resist Kachika's charms. Yes, and, and Aramoro won't get involved in any way and all that kind of stuff. It's not like there's a novel about that relationship or anything. Nope. Um, he's made the link of Kashika's power to Asami and her own personal coterie of followers. So Yoko Asami is her body mm. double, and she is standing there taking Kachiko's place in the palace. Yep. So right now, it's very convenient for Shoju for Asami to be there because it doesn't mean it means he doesn't have to explain away yep. Kachiko's absence, but he does mentally think about Kachiko as being uh, getting this independence, the power mm. of the independence, being able to do what she likes yeah. um, since she got Yogo Asami as a body it, it freed her up to go off and do things and not have to do the boring things like attend moon viewing parties and such like as she did in a, as which happened in a previous fiction. Um, some people have have speculated whether there's now like a double switch where Kachiko is now pretending to be Asami, pretending to be Kachiko, but I think that would just be even more confusing than it already is, so let's hope not. Uh, <laughs> the Meishodo trinket that um, Shahai left behind has been found and is now being investigated, but nobody seems to have checked the wards yet, and no one said, hey, didn't these wards used to have Kami in them? So, uh Yeah. Going to see if that's happening. They can follow that thread, though. Mm, that they, they certainly have the beginning of that thread, and it sounds like they're beginning to tug on it, so who knows what's going to happen. Uh, and he's sending Bayushi Yun, uh, well, Yunako, Yunako, Bayushi Yunako and Kitsuki Yukimi after Daisetsu. Always send a Kitsubi, uh, Kitsuki if you're going to try and find stuff. Because obviously, <laughs> if you've got an edict that says Daisetsu is going to be the next heir, you kind of need... Daisetsu. 
kind of important. Uh, and no one's better at finding things like that than a Kitsuki, uh, that's right. Absolutely, and I'm not biased in any way. Uh, <laughs> it is also mentioned that the retiring plan that Jordan, otherwise known as Hante the 38th, had come up with is going to be implemented, as in Sotori is going to find himself monkinated, or at least he's going to be living at the the monastery, so that's a thing. And mm-hmm. he's also planning to give Toshirambo's jade to the crab to keep the crowd on board. Somewhere between keep the crab on board and, hey, maybe they really do need all that jade, what with the horrible monsters that live down to the south. Mm-hmm. And then finally, 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 the edict gets read out. So we now have an acting emperor with an acting emerald champion and a literally acting imperial advisor. What could go wrong? <laughs> and it, it should also be pointed out that, that uh, Sumiko, ruby champion, acting emerald champion, is also convinced that the edict is genuine, which is kind of important. Right. They had it, they had it approved by all of these uh, imperial scribes. So they've, she's read it over and she accepts it in this story. Um, however, it is clear that Shoju is smart enough to see that it all looks rather suspicious and he's trying to get other clans on board. Um, and he starts out with the crab and is offering the jade to the crab. Crabs are very easy. Give them jade and they will probably be quite quite happy. Yeah, I can However, I, I, I do I do get that. <laughs> that's that's the crab thing. What would make you happy, Jade? However Jade or Jade. Uh, however, uh, I find it curious. I wonder what he thinks he can offer the other clients to try yeah, and get them on board. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Which and which one? Which, who gets who gets the carrot, and who gets the stick, and who gets both? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's also. Got, I mean, he's got the the dragon seem to be on board with Sumiko, so he's kind of going. Well, I'll just leave that for a moment. Just for the moment, because that seems to be working. They just want to be involved with everything. They just, they just want to participate. They just want to be involved. Uh, and I, I, yeah, Paul, Paul showed you in, in these, like, everyone's so distrusting. Oh, right, yeah, all the, all the, all the lying and cheating I used to do. Oh, yeah, that. <sighs> well, and they're not reading badly. <laughs> they're not wrong. Kachiko has been the face of the scorpion for a very long time, and um, she's not trustworthy and unambitious. Uh, yeah, I mean, in many ways, Kachiko is the the stereotype of the scorpion clan as seen by the scorpion clan's enemies. She's she's like the embodiment of, you know, she doesn't have a moustache, but she'd be twirling it if she had one. <laughs> Uh, you know, and here she is standing on the beside the throne, looking perfectly happy and contented about everything to do with this arrangement. Yep. It's not really her, but as far as everybody else knows, yeah, she's fine with it. She's she's fine with it. She's because how does Asami know she's not supposed to be fine? Aye. With it? And uh, and and absolutely, everyone is going to be convinced by the edict, and absolutely, no one's going to think anything's wrong, and it'll all be fine. So, do you think that the other clans accepted it a little quickly? Nobody. Well, went... well technically, we don't know. Technically, we don't know because the the thing fades out the moment the first few words get uh, mentioned, and so we in. 
let, let, as we move on, we will discover at least one clan, if not necessarily the whole clan, uh, at least one important clan member and how, how they seem to think things have gone. But meanwhile... Meanwhile, and this one is very much meanwhile, the next story we got is Roar of the Lioness, which is by Annie Vandermeer Misoda. And this one starts during the Oban Festival, which is August 15th, which is a little bit less than a month before the Emperor's death. I remember people being a bit confused and thinking, hey, wait, no, the the Oban Festival, that was a while ago. And it took, I think it took a few people to go, oh, there's meant to be, this is meant to start a month ago. Oh, okay. Right, because this is all secretly happening and we didn't know about it. Uh, in addition, if you use the wiki, the wiki dates for the Obama Festival and L5R are different than this. So this, this must be one, it was kind of yeah, confusing this, at first. This must be one of those FFG has changed things slightly. Well, the Obama Festival in real life is August 15th. So they changed things, but they changed it to real life festivals, which is good. That's fine. Um the Obam Festival, just so everyone knows what we're talking about, celebrates the virtues and sacrifices made by our ancestors or the people who have died before us, and uh, then uses floating lanterns, which you set upon the water, to send their spirits back to the realm of the dead, away from the angry ghosts. It is actually Buddhist, not Shinto in origin. Um Though always with Japan, the lines are little blurred. Are very, the lines are the lines are blurred, um, but uh, it's very it's very very good symbology to tie with to the lion because they are so um, bound up with their ancestors. And in the first half of the story, Matsusuko calls upon the spirit, not literally, of. Akoto Arasu, her fiance, and says Akoto Arasu would not have allowed the city of Toshirambo to go to the Scorpion. He would not have dilly dallied and failed to make a decision on the Asari Plains and done all these terrible things that Akoto Tutori has done, In including becoming he... Emerald Champion and thus getting taken away from the day to day management of the clan. Absolutely. Yeah. And because Akoto Arasu would not have wanted any of that, she resolves to take command of all the lion forces and become champion herself. That's what she does in the first half of the story. Um, so there's a she calls for a meeting of the her generals during the hour of the dog. And this hour is significant. It's specifically called out in the story. Uh, it was previously known as the hour of the wolf, um, but it was renamed to the hour of the dog. This is in the middle of the night um, because there was a huge battle called the battle of the hour of the wolf. And in that battle, an invading Matsu army was fought off by a united Doji and Bayushi force. Um, the Matsu were invading the crane, of course, and, um, or invading either the crane or the, um, scorpion. I don't know which actually. Um, and they killed 10,000 people in one hour. Uh, it caused the Lake of Shining Glass to be renamed Red Lake for obvious reasons and was a devastating 
defeat to the Matsu that they have never forgiven because they don't. They never forgive anything. <laughs> I have to say, only the lion can get the crane and the scorpion working together. <laughs> True. Um, so it was a hour of profound humiliation for the Matsu, and so when she calls the uh, calls the meeting at the hour of the dog, uh, Kitsumoto, who's following her around like a little puppy, um, says, you know, thinks that maybe a more um, auspicious hour should be selected, but she wants the significance yeah, yeah. of all these times that they have not gotten to conquer everybody that they wanted to conquer, and it's not fair. This is super auspicious, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> There's a detail I really liked, actually, as a character thing. Because she's invoking the spirit of um, her beloved fiancé. And I really like the fact she literally gets out a painting that she made of him. Despite the fact she's not a brilliant painter, but she this was the one time she managed to actually get something that worked. And there was mm-hmm. just something really oddly, given that she's like, I'm full of rage and I'm going to, you know, overthrow tradition and do bad things. But it's all from this, she's using this picture that she made because she loves the guy. Which I thought was, there was a very interesting mm-hmm. detail. And she puts before it her scents, her incenses, uh, cinnamon and bergamot and sandalwood, they mention. And those are all, you know, traditional incenses for Japan. Mm-hmm. So they might seem a little uh, new age for us, but actually there's a lot of uh, incense mixing and a lot of significance oh, yeah. for fragrances that, that goes on in Japan. So everything's very intentional. Uh, and um, so she presents her battle plan to her generals, and we learn that there are at least five Matsu legions. She talks about assigning mm. one, four, and five, which hints that maybe two and three are off facing the unicorn. Yep. There's a lot of Matsu. There are, there are a lot Matsu of Matsu are the biggest family in Rokugan. Maybe not in your campaigns, but in Rokugan, there are more Matsu than anything else. Um, also, we learn about the Ikoma Auxiliaries, the Akoto Companies, and the Kitsu Regiment, mm. and how Suko basically commands all the Matsu, but she needs to claim the title of champion to take control of the other forces. Yeah, and she she, she probably also has to, to be champion, although she is Matsu Daimyo. I suspect she has to claim the championship before sending out her Matsu to do the things she wants to send her Matsu out to do. Well, maybe, though. They don't seem to... She doesn't seem to blink, and no one seems to blink at her assigning the legions at that particular target. It's when she starts talking about the other family squads that she says she has to be... There has to be a, a champion. Um, and the first person to uh, swear allegiance to her after seeing their target is Kitsumoto. And I think I think he's got a crush on her. There there were some some he's, he was kind of smiling in odd ways and <laughs> things like that, which is uh, emblematic of such things. <laughs> but um, the truth is that this is pretty much straight out treason. There's there's not much quibbling about it. She's not uh, confronting Tatori uh, directly and saying, you know, 
you don't deserve it anymore. Let's duel for it or anything like that. He's she's and she's not going to the clan elders and saying Torturi has failed in the following ways. This yeah, let us invoke the yeah. There must be ways because like there's there's ways and means in every hierarchy if you need to to justly you know remove someone who's in the way or there are ways of doing it. She's just, she's just saying nope. Everyone's swear allegiance to me right now. So that's it's interesting in the. Other clans, uh, well, Dragon, Phoenix, and Unicorn are a bit special cases, uh, but in <laughs> a little bit in terms of their leadership for different reasons. Aye. But Crane, Scorpion, and Crab have all all of them, all three of those clans have always had the same ruling family. It's always Hida, Doji, and Bayushi, always, and it's it's very. Within the family, even if you do occasionally drop out a, you know, halfwit heir or something like that, you might bypass. Yeah, someone. yeah. So, so, sometimes you have to go up a bit and down and along and down a bit to get to your next champion, but you never go to say the Hiruma, right? Or yeah, there isn't the or the Kikita or the Doji, Dai Doji, sorry. Um, but it does seem that you can get the occasional Matsu right. as champion. So in, we talked a little while ago about a story where the uh, champion of the lion goes charging off into the Shadowlands because he's a big hero and he's going to close the pit. And mm. It went well. It was a Matsu champion then. And there was another time during the Battle of the Cresting Wave where the Matsu became the champion of the lion because uh, the Yokoto champion at that time was killed. Um, so Matsu do occasionally pop up and take over the lion, and that's what's happening here. So, <laughs> well, I mean, it, is, it does depend. She's certainly got the the generals who were there in her tent at that at that time. Whether she's got civilian leadership back in the lion capital. Is an interesting question. Is there civilian leadership? <laughs> well, we'll have to find out. Mm. But then again, she had a very big cookie to offer her generals. So we find out in the second half of the story that on September, this is about September 10th. It has to be about the day before the emperor's death. Matsusuko and all of these armies seize Kuden Kikita. Um, now the Matsu, as we talked in our last podcast, have had this long aggression, long feud with the Kikita and the lion in general, in particular with the Kikita, just would love to see that thing burn down. And she is offering them what they as a clan have wanted for a very long time. Yep. So it's a pretty big cookie to get them all to uh, go to her side. Um, now, some discussion was had online about why was Kuden Kikita so poorly defended? Yeah, because we, we don't even see how it happens. It's literally, um, here's my plan, and then everything fades out as it go whisper, whisper, whisper. And then the next thing is, what? We've taken the castle. Well done, us. <laughs> Pretty much. But crane armies are traditionally very small anyway, especially in comparison with the lion. Uh, they handle things by surviving as long as they can and hoping that the emperor bails them out. 
And so they were they were small to begin with. Uh, and then you stack on the crane's particular circumstance at this point in history. The major crane military forces are all in the Daidoji. And prior to any of the current events, the Daidoji lands are the lands of the southern crane coast that was pretty much ground zero for the tsunami. I'm not saying they lost a huge number of soldiers there, but you're not going to be uh, easily just building up your armies in devastated lands. Very yeah, that's. Quickly. I mean, that's that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough. No matter what. Then you take that and you've got the crane armies fighting on the Asari plains for a long time against the lion who vastly outnumber them. They're in such dire need of bodies. We've got Hataru selling the artifacts from her house to try and get mercenaries, which she hates. So we know the crane are just horribly pressed for people. Um, in normal circumstances, which is not normal, Kikita Yoshi's position as Imperial Chancellor, this is his home, would mean that the Imperial Legions would be right there to stop any kind of escalation of aggression like this on Kuten Kikita and put the lion straight into the face of the Emperor. So if the lion were to attack Kuten Kikita with Yoshi as Chancellor, uh, they would normally, the crane would normally expect a really swift retaliation and would not think that the lion would be so stupid as to do so. However, especially with a strong uh, emerald champion to lead those imperial legions. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think, I don't think she thinks Toturi is particularly strong. No, she thinks Toturi is very wishy-washy and that's probably why she's feeling safe enough to do it. Or she wants the direct confrontation with Totori because she's really mad at him. Or, or indeed, yeah, but or both, even, yeah. Because mm -hmm. if she reckons he's weak and then she deliberately puts him in a, into a conflict and he doesn't demonstrate his strength, then that's going to that's gonna make her, what she's doing, look way more appropriate. Right. So they weren't expecting this. The gates were open. They did manage to get them closed. They got the ramps up. But, you know, Kuden Kikita's gates are generally kept open because of the curse uh, of Kuden Kikita. Um, there were plenty of hostages taken. Uh, it is worth knowing that Sume Village, which is where the Topaz Championship is held, is very, very close to Kuden Kikita and was almost certainly taken at the same time. So there's lots of highborn children hostages and the master sensei of the clan, the teachers of the Kakita Academy are there. Um, there are also very key hostages taken, the highest of which is Kakita Barahimi, who was Kakita Yoshi's wife. Now, Yoshi was not married in old lore, but she is now. And we learned she is a compassionate duelist from... The next story, um, in old lore, Sapun Barahimi was Toshimoko's lover and the mother of Sapun Tashikan. But here she is the mother of Shinta, which is probably a child's name, but Kakita Yoshi's son in training in Shizukatoshi. So Shinta could be anybody as a grown-up. We don't know who he will be. So there's a lot going on. Right. And Kakita Ichiro is Toshimoko's son. He was Toshimoko's son 
in um, Old War as well. So uh, he was also taken hostage, but he was sent off to carry a message. So Yeah, specifically, like, if you want it, come get it. Right. Basically. But uh, an, an interesting possibility of the curse of Kudan Kikita, which is any child of any child born when the gates are shut must never draw steel or the castle will fall. Uh, it is possible that Kikita Yoshi believes that's anything to do with getting on the battlefield, which would very limit him as Imperial Chancellor, mm-hmm. which is very interesting. Because she so that's demands a possible interpretation. Because she demands to meet with him on the battlefield mm. in order to negotiate. And he must not draw steel because that's he was born when the gates were shut. So that's a big thing happening. Yeah. Then we have one more story. Yes, this is Wind Falling Through Leaves, which is by Lisa Farrell. Um, starting quote's a good one. Whoever believes your best interests are their own is as good as a servant. Remember this. <laughs> which is from Bayushi's Lies, isn't it? Yes, but, well, yes, it's as good as a servant. It's from Bayushi's Lies. So this could be summed up as Kikita Yoshi's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, where he finds out about the edict... Then he finds out that Kudan Kikita has been captured, then tries to get the unicorn as ally and has to send Shizue to Doji Shizue to the unicorn as a hostage to try and get the unicorn as an ally. And he has had the worst day because not only that, but he found out just before that Hotaru had a relationship with Kachiko, that the emperor had been killed and the scorpion were covering it up. And, um, he had sent off Doji Kawanan to go stop Hataru from messing things up with the scorpion, and then it all got worse. So he has a well-earned headache, and he's probably been up for over 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, I think I think one of the things I didn't quite get, because I wasn't quite sure of the timeline of the lion fiction, was I, I was kind of confused as to how it took so long for him to find out about Kikuta and Kikita. And I, Kikita and was, oh, wait, no, this happened literally yesterday. Yes. <laughs> you know, so it's like, oh, yeah, it's all just, it's all just falling in on him. Uh, it's not good. No, he, and, and the truth is, is that, you know, people have talked about he's, what he does here and what he did in the previous story was stupid. But the truth is that he 100% knows that Kachiko's ambitious enough to do things yeah. like, Get rid of an emperor. We know he's that. We know that she's ambitious enough to do that. He's not wrong. He knows that mm. Shoju is willing to do bad things. Now, yeah, I mean, I, it, it would be interesting because the problem is we've seen the read, we've seen what it's like from the Scorpion point of view. We know that Shoju doesn't have anything to do with this. We know the edict is real, but why would Yoshi think this? Because if we, if you gave someone the the fictions, but you left out all the stuff that showed you what's happening, they would probably think, well, the Scorpion are clearly this is clearly fake. This edict that he keeps going on about it's got to be fake. There's no way it can be real. The Scorpion don't do real. The Scorpion don't tell the truth. It must all be lies. Well, and if you're a good reader of people, mm. he's you know. Not only are the Scorpion capable of this, but the highest Scorpion in the hierarchy is capable of this we already know it um and 
it's a little hard for people to say, you know, he's he like he expects to be the regent. Well, yes, that's what his job as chancellor is. That's that's his that role. That is literally what's meant to happen, yeah. So everything that he knew, everything about his job is being undermined in very uh, weird ways and all of this is happening at once. So, yeah, you know what? He makes some pretty st- not so great decisions here. I think he suffers from not having had any opportunity to do something really um, cool and make good decisions so far in the story. But here, I, I think part of the problem, yeah. I mean, here he's you're quite right. I mean, he seems paranoid and crazy, but then crazy things are happening. Part of the problem is that in his previous fiction, we saw him basically start a civil war. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean that's that's pretty much instead of instead of much like uh, Matsutsuko, um, instead of there must be instead of going through proper procedures or proper channels, he just said, right, I support you, Quanon, and we are going to work around the actual legitimate champion because we don't we don't like how they're doing the well, job. Well, that's not what he does. He sends Quanon off, and Quanon's going to go off and do something. We don't know yet, but it mm. it doesn't. If there are channels by which it is done, Kuana might be going off to go do it as it must be done. Yeah, I, I could. Yeah, you're quite right. I, I, um, it's possible I misinterpreted that. And then, but then, that does mean that when things are going wrong now, he doesn't have anybody to whom he can appeal. There's no one else he can hand this off to. Right. Because the only person that would be would be his champion, and he's already. Not he's already decided that she's not trustworthy. Absolutely, so it's all on his shoulders. Mm. So after he finds out that all of this, and he's like finds out about Kuden Kikira, he does what is a very logical thing to do. He doesn't have any allies left in the capital except potentially, really, the unicorn, and the he needs a large military force to to go mm. against the lion. There's there's no going around it. So he meets yep. with Ide Tadaji uh, to ask for alliance. He does not tell Tadaji that Kuden Kikita has fallen yet. Um, it may be he just hasn't figured out how to where to show his weakness, or he wants to secure the alliance before yep. showing weakness. Because in Roku God, you don't want to be allying from a place of weakness. Uh, well, in, in life in general, quite frankly. Right. Um, However, Tadashi is playing it really close to his vest. And I think that the starting quote on this story plays into this, uh, that mm. that um, the whoever believes your best interests are their own is as good as a servant. Tadashi is effectively making Yoshi his, his servant here. Yoshi is the mm. desperate one, and he's getting played. Yep. So, it's, it's a seller's market. Yep. And, uh, you know, that, that sucks. But hopefully. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens with that. And then he meets with Shizue to go send her off to the unicorn to be a hostage in order to deal with this. And this might be part of the mistake, but he doesn't have very many choices here anyway. But don't worry. The important thing is, is that we know that Kikita Yoshi is going to take care of Fumio. He knows how to take care of a cat. So and he and he knows you know how to give proper pets. Fumio approves, yep. and so that's this is important. That's the only important thing that's really out of all of this. Yeah. So he basically sends uh, like the fourth most important crane 
after um, basically, I think it goes Hotaru, Kwanon, Fumio. <laughs> well, one thing about yeah. sending Shizue away is that she's not going to be there to help negotiate uh, a truce between Kwanon and Hotaru. Yeah, that could be an issue. Uh, basically, I think I think they need they need a sibling to kind of grab them by the ears and say, "Stop this, you idiots!" Because she can talk to both of them in a way that nobody else can. This is a, yeah. a sibling rivalry. Anyway, yeah. So um, I think the, the the crane is yeah. I mean, we 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 know we've 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 seen that we've seen the artwork. We know what happens next, and this is just the crane really thoroughly getting into civil war, or at least. Secession crisis, in a big way. Yep, and it's it's not a good place to <laughs> it's not a good place to be. So, anyway, I thought it was a good story. Uh, Lisa Farrell is really always good with her uh, symbology. She's got a she mentions a lot about a screen that has pictures of cranes and pine on it, and uh, those are and that they're longevity symbols. But what she doesn't mention that I thought is cool is that the word for pine in Japanese is matsu. Yeah, whether whether that's the same matsu as the name matsu because that's because kanji Japanese works in <laughs> because, because kanji and yeah, it's an interesting question. But yeah, it certainly could well be that kind of resonance going on with that. Anyway, that amused me because the the crane and matsu that's how they describe that symbol in Japanese um, iconography. So I thought it was funny. Absolutely. And there's a mention with Shizue and the talisman she got from Shahai. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that's going to be that, – that, that sounds very kind of Chekhov's talisman kind of thing. But so it's we'll just a decoration. But still – I'm sure it's just that, yes. It does protect Shizue though. If they go on a complete Mishoto hunt – in the capital, you know, Shizue having a uh, having a talisman from Shahai might not be so so good. Having said that, she's not going to be in the capital for much longer, so who knows? Right. Anyway, so like I said, I Yoshi's had a very tough tough time of it in in this story, and he's been outplayed now three stories out of three stories at least so far. Uh, by Taka and by Kachiko and and here, mm. um, he has not had the opportunity to be successful. Uh, so I thought. One of the problems is, is that he is a courtier and. That is worth remembering for your L5R campaigns and just in storytelling in general. We have this image in our culture, um, at least in Western culture, about politicians and that the job of courtiers and politicians is to wander around and stab each other in the back and overhear secrets and spread gossip and... That is all that they do. I mean, they don't actually have a purpose other mm. than being backstabbing. And yep. that's not really how courtiers operate. <laughs> they have jobs, like Yoshi's yeah. job as chancellor, but we do see a reference to 
the imperial scribes who validate the seal on the edict and make sure it's Tatori's handwriting. Um, in China, they have a huge hierarchy, traditionally a huge hierarchy, with tests, and it was bloated and inefficient in many ways. But they do things like flood control. They do things like land management. They manage the economy and they settle the value of the koku and they do the accounting and weights and yep. measures and they do negotiations between parties and they research the law so they can find precedents so that you know that's how the justice I mean system some works. of that some of that in Rokian some of it is a bit decentralized like generally the flood control and constructions and that that would be at a clan level great clan level most of the time but obviously there'd still be the stuff that needs to be dealt with between the clans and that's when you get your your imperial bureaucracy who do all sorts of important stuff you know like the keeping the imperial roads going and yeah on the clan level it's clan level courtiers that are managing it you're not got a you've you've not got a bushi there with his daisho and his military training you know, looking at figuring out the best places to stick those levies. You know. I will stab the flood. That's <laughs> that's not how it works. Yeah, yeah. You you have courtiers for all those things, and you have you have those you have those you know, politicians trying to make sure that the people who are doing these things getting into the right place, getting the right resources, getting the resources from the right people. And all that kind of stuff. So, you know, we, we just have this idea of these courtiers just doing this backstabbing stuff. And I, I think it is helpful and actually adds an immersion if when you are dealing with a courtier or you are a courtier yourself, come up with an idea of what it is that you do. It might be a trivial corner case of something. If you are in a campaign, you could be a courtier whose job is to inspect for well, I have a courtier right now whose job is to inspect for insects. You know, they they mm. they look for and know about harmful insects that would impact rice. And so they get sent all yeah. over and their job is to look at the insects on the rice fields. They can have courtiering adventures doing so. I mean, think about it. Um, law enforcement is a courtier thing. I mean, you have the bushi to do the punching and the, the, the capturing and stabbing, but the actual like administering the law, understanding what law was broken, investigation, that all sounds courtierish. That me. is all very courtierish. Uh, so for your you know, for your PCs, give them a job. It could be anything. It could be, you know, mapping is a courtier role um negotiation is a courtier role and an important one we think if it's all like undercutting and stuff but this property line going here isn't or yeah. you know here hi you dumped this thing in the river on this part and now it stopped the water down in this part of the stream We've got to figure out who gets to clean that up so the village downstream uh, you know, gets their water. All of this is, is courtier stuff and reason for a PC to go around. So I think it adds depth to give all of these courtiers a role and realize they do more than just backstab and politic. That sounds good to me. Maybe maybe we should do that as a deep, a slightly deeper dive sometime, <laughs> come up with courtier-style campaigns. Because we, we know the, the kind of the warrior campaigns, go here, fight bandits. You know, we're kind of comfortable with that. But 
yeah, maybe maybe we should come up with some ideas for adventures and campaigns that revolve around the courtiers and what the courtiers need to do. Sounds good. But I guess we're out of time for today, so thanks for listening to my rant about that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was a good rant. We'll call out to our sister podcast uh, for the LCG. Hello, uh, to Onimaru and uh, Steelfur. Mm-hmm. And uh, is there anything uh, else you want to call out? Well, we are thinking Thoughts of Worlds, which is coming up soon. Indeed. Uh, normally we be recording on the 5th but I will be traveling that day so um, we will or so our next broadcast will probably be after Worlds um, we mm-hmm. will try and record before then and if there are any story decisions to talk about but other than that um, for now that's it for us this week I'm Kikita Kaori may the fortunes favor you I'm Martin Kova and until we meet again Keep your jade handy. <laughs> <laughs>